Welcome to Crashing Game Night. My name is Matt Zuri. Tonight, diehard man himself, Tommy Earl Jenkins, is Crashing Game Night with us. Uh, as always, I am joined by one Gerard Barrera. What up, nerds? This is a special occasion. That's right, Death Stranding. Death Stranding, Hodeo Kojima, and Mr. Hardened himself. We cannot wait. Enough said, let's go. And then we got babyface <laughs> Theo Walski over in the corner over there. I mean, I'm nothing. Let, like Jerry said, let's go. Let's do this. Let's dive, <laughs> let's dive in. Yes. So, so how is everybody? I know, uh, Tommy, you've we talked last week a little bit, and then you had a media event last night you had to go to. So how are you doing? Right. I'm good, man. I'm really good. Yeah, it, Today was a glorious day here in L.A. You know, it's 73 degrees, and that was just the perfect temperature for me. <laughs> I don't so it. I apologize so to jealous. anyone who's not That's experiencing a, yes. Sun and warm weather at the moment, so but, yeah. oh, but we, we did really have, to, have to. We really have to go through the grind, don't we? <laughs> oh my God! Well, Jerry. I had an earthquake. I had an earthquake the other night, so oh. you know it comes in anyway, <laughs> literally. So I had to deal with that, but that's all right. I got through that pretty fine, so yeah. it's all right. It was only three point six. Only three point six. Yeah. Only three point six. Yeah. I I woke up to a scalding twenty two degrees this morning, so I. <laughs> But you know what's funny is I still haven't climatized yet. So to me, that's like, you know, the mid 30s in Colorado. So I'm like still wearing a hoodie and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to force. But yes, other than that, I am. I'm very good. Life is good. Uh, I'm busy, which is always good. Uh, And enjoying the journey uh, of Death Stranding uh, with everyone around the world who I've kind of been having some sort sort of connection with one way or the other who is just, you know, beside themselves. They love it. So it's, it's been, it's been amazing. And it's, you know, it's only what, where we are now, we're January. So what, two months, just over two months that it's been out and it's just, it's, it's amazing. If I don't see you tweet or, you know, share something that is death stranding every single day. It's an off day for you. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking about pulling back a little bit. No. A little. <laughs> yeah. A little. Yeah. But you got to admit, though. I mean, there's a lot of fan art that's being put out there for the game. A lot of the screenshots. Is. I mean, it is. You know, and I, 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 I just, sorry to cut you off, man. I just, I kind of feel like sometimes I see certain things, and I feel like I have to to share it. I don't know that it always gets seen by everybody and not necessarily that it may get seen by a lot more people if, if I do it, but I'm, I'm fascinated by the effort and the, the talent of a multitude of people who, who draw, who create, you know, uh, gifts or who, you know, they come up with all these amazing things. And I just feel like, you know, I, I, I want to share that, you know, and and, and as well as you should, cause, uh, if, if I don't know if you've realized yet, but you like you of a fandom that is very, very loyal and yeah. loves Hodeo and loves not and oh, loves yeah. this, this game, which has become a very cult following, which is yeah. uh, really exciting, especially the journey it's kind of taken from when we first saw the trailer to the release of the game, and it's just uh. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy journey that it's gone through. Yeah, incredible, incredible. And you know, I, th- I want to say is welcome to the world of working with Hideo Kojima because yeah. <laughs> that's the way everybody is with his games. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely been a journey. Pretty, yeah. pretty phenomenal. So, 
let's talk about your journey up to Death Stranding, which a lot of people okay. don't know. So okay. um, one thing I didn't know until you and I talked last week was you started in theater. Correct. And yeah. so I, I kind of dug in a little bit in the history. And I got to say, you have you've been in some plays <laughs> um, <laughs> and a lot of them over in London. Yes. So which, I. Sorry, carry on. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah. What was it like? Working over in London versus um, stateside. Well, Lon- London is is pretty much my second home. Uh, you know, I've oh, spent nearly yeah, I've, I've spent nearly thirty years living in London, uh, living and working. So I left New York in eighty eighty nine. Um, oh wow! And yeah, so I left then quite early on, and I went to Europe. I was working in Germany for a bit. Then obviously moved to Italy and and worked in worked there for a bit and London was just on the cards and that's where I was like oh this is this is great this is where I think I'm I want to be you know um, and so everything leading up to that you know I was into theater from the time I was fourteen my first professional paid job in theater was when I was fourteen uh, in a summer program and that's where it all began you know and alongside that then I trained as a ballet dancer which a lot of people also don't know. That uh, I did not know. That's yeah. very interesting. That's and, awesome. Wow. Oh, That's cool. impressive. That's yeah. serious and, work right there. <laughs> that it was discipline. Let me tell you, it was, I still have a love and a passion for it. I don't dance ballet anymore. I don't really dance dance anymore. Um, but what it did give me was an incredible discipline because that art form takes a lot of discipline to do, uh, you know, but then I, I, you know, I ended up dancing in a couple of ballet companies, uh, professionally for a bit. Oh, uh, and when I moved to New York, uh, I had to make a decision because I was close to joining the Alvin Ailey American dance theater. Oh, wow. uh, I got offered a position in their second company. Uh, and I had to choose whether that was the route that I still wanted to go because I had this incredible love for theater. And I want to do broad, Broadway, you know, and when you choose a dance field, you kind of have to devote your your time to the dance because, you know, it's every day. You know, you're you're in class, you're, you know, d- learning uh, repertoire or, you know, uh, doing workshops. So there's always something going on that you're devoted to that craft where it didn't leave a lot of room for me to want to be able to do theater in the way that I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. So I had to make that decision. And I thought, well, how can I, how can I do that and still feel fulfilled? So musical theater was the journey that was part of that. Best so of both that worlds. Yeah. It allowed me to dance. It allowed me to sing and it allowed me to act. And I thought, well, this is utopia. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, you know, and so that's what had, that's where I kind of made that, that full choice. Yeah. Oh, so with good. that, to piggyback on that, let's look at those highlights from some of those plays that you've been in <laughs> that have been musical plays. So you right. were Rum Tum Tugger in Cats I for two years awesome. at the New London Theatre West End. In London, you correct. Were, where, that's yeah. where Cats originated. I did not know that's where it originated. I did not know that either. Yes. I Cats thought New originated York. in London. No. no Cats way. originated in London, so it was in the home of where it all oh, began. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Awesome. I had done it previously in Germany. Uh, it's a similar, it's pretty much the same production, uh, but it was done all in German mm-hmm. as well. So I had to learn German in order to do the show. <laughs> oh, there you go. So that was quite, 
everything. So (laughs) further piggybacking on the dance and all of that, you were Tyrone Jackson in fame at the Victoria Palace Theater in London for two years. Yep, I was indeed. Which I can remember watching that show on TV as a kid. Uh So I can only imagine what the play was like. Yes. Uh, You were... You were the genie yeah. in Aladdin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and from what I was I was going to ask you about that is because it was listed. It was with Sir Ian McKellen. How was it working with with the great one there? Oh, in, incredible. You know, he's he's a he's a master, uh, you know, and this particular show in, in London, they have. Uh, every every sort of seasonal year around Christmas, they do what they call a pantomime. And it's basically a kind of a fun show, but it's based either on fairy tales. You know, they'll do Jack and the Beanstalk or Hansel and Gretel or Cinderella or Mother Goose. And these shows are what families go to uh, as, as part of the, the Christmas season. And, you know, they get to oh, kind of be uh, cool. able to participate. You know, there's always the villains. There's always that. And Aladdin happened to uh, uh, be at the Old Vic Theatre, which is one of London's mm-hmm. most uh, famous and quite prestigious theatres to, to work in. Uh, and Ian McKellen was playing uh, the dame. The dame is usually always played by a man who's dressed as a woman. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, so you went, you went old, you went old thespian, like, doing those. Okay, cool. Very cool. Yeah. I like that. But it's comedy. It's very fun. Yeah. It's, it's family-oriented. Um, and so, and usually there's a principal boy and a principal girl, and the roles are slightly, the genders are usually reversed. Uh, <laughs> so, but it's but it's fun. And Ian it played uh, Widow Twanky, which was the the dame in the show, uh, who was absolutely hysterical, uh, brilliant, but yet you know someone who, with his gravitas and his his huge huge resume of mm-hmm. of you know, uh, legitimate theater and, you know, but he was a joy to work with and he was fun, you know? So that was a great experience. I heard, I heard he has a, a very a huge affinity for the theater. He, it's like his first love I heard. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's where he began. Yeah. Know, a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people really have had a, uh, an opportunity to, to start in the theater and then branch out. I couldn't have hoped for better. I have an absolute, love for theater to this day. And if someone offered me a play on Broadway to do, I would, you know, and it was the right play, I'd jump at the chance of doing it. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. I still I still love theater. There's nothing that you can't, that you can get other than that sort of instant gratification when you know that you're on stage, you you can feel the energy from an audience. You know, they, they will laugh with you. They will cry with you. They applaud, you know, and, mm-hmm. and not it's something that you don't get in in TV and film, mm-hmm. and certainly not in the video game world. Oh, no, you know, it's, the, it's the most oh, no. honest form, and you will receive yeah. that most honest form as well, too. Absolutely. You know, yeah, it's, Absolutely. I was, yeah, it's yep, and to that, to piggyback on that, it's like, I can remember fourth grade doing a play, you know, and having to be an understudy, and then, you know, having to know all those all those lines, be ready to give it a minute, and the lead actor that I was understudy for broke his foot, so he couldn't go on. So not being able to practice with everybody and have to yeah. go that night was like, wow, it was, it is yeah. nervous. So I respect don't anybody lie. who Took does theater. Out. 
Too literal and just took him out. <laughs> Break a leg. I didn't mean it really. <laughs> no, nothing. Hey, you know, that's, but that's, 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 a, that's a hard thing in theater. And certainly and I have also been in those positions where I've had to understudy roles early on in my career before I started playing parts. Um, and it is something that, because you don't always get the opportunity to work with the people who are on stage every night. And if something happens, you have to be ready to, to go. Unless it, it comes at a time where the rehearsal process is so early on, um, or, you know, you don't get a chance to, to have enough rehearsal. You know, sometimes I, I've known people who've had to go on with a book, you know, in, in their, in their hands, you know, simply because it was just, unforeseen that circumstance that would that would happen um but you know it's part of what we learn as actors to certainly if you are understudying a role to be prepared to be ready you know um you were hired for that that's your job you know so you just need to pull out all the tools in your arsenal in order to to make it through that that kind of situation Yep. So I have all the respect in the world for anybody who does theater. <laughs> it was not easy. Um, yeah. And then the, the last highlight I grabbed was you playing Barry Belson in Jersey Boys. Yes. In London now, and and being able to do it on Broadway. <laughs> yes. And Las Vegas. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So I think I've, I've all three productions. I did the the original London cast. Uh, which opened, I think, maybe a year after Broadway did, mm -hmm. or over. Uh, and then I went to finish my it for like three years, uh, yep. and because I, I love the show so much. Um, and the role that I play, obviously, is not one of the four seasons in it, because uh, it's obviously the music of Frankie Valley in the four seasons. But mm -hmm. the character that I played, Barry Belson, was Barry Belson plus a multitude of other characters along the way. So every time you see. <laughs> You know, see me on stage. I was literally a different character, and it was easy to spot me because I was the only black man in the show. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you could see I had some fun characters to play, and my track was very busy. I get to sing, you know. I get to dance a bit, you know. I even got to rap in French to open the show, you oh, know. Wow. Uh, it's uh, cool. called yeah, called Soirée La in French, which is Oh, what a night. Uh, and that's opening. <laughs> the show actually opened with me as Yannick, which was, I think, a French rapper. Uh, and he, he made he covered this version of Oh, What a Night in French. And that's what they used to open the show. Wow. That's, yeah. that's cool. nice. Yeah. So then so let's talk about let's highlight some of your TV and movies. You know, once you moved over to that side, you did several shows over in, in Britain and stuff. Just spot stars. Yeah. But you were in you were in Shooter with Ryan Felipe. And Omar Epps. Yeah. Uh, you were on General Hospital. So that's a nice 180 <laughs> bouncing back and forth. Believe me, yeah. Um, then you are uh, you were in uh, Go Jetters as Ubercorn. Correct, which is an animation. I don't mm -hmm. know if people know that. Because yep. uh, it, it is here in the States now. It was originally in, uh, it's pretty much around the world now, actually. But yeah. Playing the funkiest disco loving unicorn there is on the planet. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, then you were in Pandora yeah. as Ellison Pevney. And then you have two shows that are in pre production right now called Bike Squad. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, how is it doing um, TV versus theater when you guys, when you start moving into that realm? Um, it is very, it's very different. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, I think as an actor, 
it's all the same because our, our job is to tell the story. It is to come from a place of truth as much as, you know, we can within that character and live, you know, through that character and make that and hopefully make that story come across. Um, and I think that's the, the only way as an actor to, to really approach anything, uh, in terms of that, the difference with that from, from stage to screen is you, you with screen, you also get a chance to do it over and over and over again. You do see, you know, and you're only, you know, you're doing a, a, a journey, but you are blocking out scenes that, you know, maybe three or four pages at a time, you know, to, to kind of piece together. And sometimes not always in sequential order. Um, so sometimes you have to work from the back end. And whereas theater, we always run work from the beginning of the story right. and work through it. Yeah. yeah, so you know your journey. You know your arc. You know where it peaks, you know, uh, and then you get that ebb and that flow uh, w- with the story. Um, so, but also with theater, it is live. You are in front of hundreds to thousands of people every night. And you hopefully don't make any mistakes. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no takes for you to reset there, on. There no. Is, no, okay, nope. let's go for take take two. No, and believe it does happen. People do forget. And I have been in those positions where, you know, I've dried what they call drying um, on stage. And you kind of think, well, and eventually you get yourself out of it. And if you've got good actors around you, who you have a great relationship with, they will find a way to help save you. Yes. <laughs> okay. So it always pays to be nice to your co-stars, yes. you know, and hopefully that will never be stopped to try. Um, you know, but then sometimes I think that theater, people come and see that. And I've been to see shows on Broadway where things have happened, you know, but an audience is experience, they experience that for the first time, you know? So, Sometimes it's a special thing for them that they actually saw a show where something went wrong, you know, because it doesn't happen all the time, you know, and I think that we're only human, you know, we have days where you might be a little more tired than others, you know, but, and there are days where you think, ah, I've got to do the same. You have to do the same show every night, eight times a week, you know, uh, six evening shows and then two matinees out of the week, you know, so it's a long and grueling schedule in terms of, Mm. of that. Uh, and that's every day, you know, and your contract could be for a year or six months, but you know, through that you're working all those days, you know, and TV and film, you just have, although the, you have a, a much more, uh, a solid rehearsal period for theater, whereas TV and film, you might get to rehearse on the day of the shoot, mm-hmm. you know, you run the lines yeah. with the person you're going to be working with, you know, and the likelihood is that you're not always going to get the lines correct in, in every, in, in everything you may, or sometimes you might paraphrase the line a little bit, you know? Um, but there's always somebody who comes along with a book saying, you know, you actually said, uh, instead of, and, and it really should be, you know, like, oh, yes, I got to remember that. I must have the second one, you know? So. And then after a while, you just want to take the book and hit him upside the head and say, really knock it out. You can't me. <laughs> oh, so script supervisors are sticklers. Yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah, God. Yeah. When you see them walking towards you, you just, you know, oh, you know it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and then um, they come to uh, I, I I worked on a few productions and I was uh, second AD and first AD and you know sometimes they'll use you as a buffer and like I need you to go tell them like 
Yeah. Right. Like, thanks. Like, <laughs> yeah, you do it. I've done yeah. it. <laughs> yep. And then to round out the movie side and everything, too, is you also did some extra work for Dolomite Is My Name. Yes. So Eddie Murphy. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of, uh, you know, as an actor, you know, we we get jobs that come along in various forms and looping is a is a is, a, is another thing that I do um, with uh, going into the studios onto the lot and they'll play a movie. And obviously we create ambiance and we create voices for characters that don't actually happen. You may see their mouths moving, but they need to have some dialogue. So we do a lot of that. So I did a lot of work on Dolomite along with a multitude of other films for many years, you know, as, as a thing that people just, you don't, you you never really know about it, but as the actor, we're mm-hmm. always, you know, those jobs are great jobs because they're, they're, they're money jobs that keep you going, but also let you be creative at the same time until, you know, the next big gig comes along, mm-hmm. um, you know? So Jerry, you had that, you had a question about Dolomite. With Eddie Murphy. Uh, I did. I was uh, wondering, since you were, you know, part of the process uh, for the Oscars this year, do you feel like he got uh, he got snubbed a little bit? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I think so. Look, at the end of the day, I mean, it's been a, a really uh, sketchy time, you know, yeah. with, with, with nominations and awards and things like that. You know, and look, to be honest, I think, one, he's an incredible artist. I think he is a brilliant actor. I think even, you know, the, the man can sing, he can act. He oh, can, yeah. Funny, funny as hell, the, you know. Um, completely got revitalized with, with Dreamgirls. I had no idea. Oh, my God. He had it in him. Out of the park. And that, oh, yeah. I, like, honestly, yeah. that year, it was, like, for him, that year kind of, kind of nudged me a little bit, too. I really felt... Yeah. He stood out that year. Oh, um, my God. And, he really and did. And the same thing with Dolmite. Everyone's telling me, like, dude, you like, you got to see it. Yeah. And it yeah. is. It's a brilliant movie, you know. And he is, you know, it's Rudy Ray Moore that he is, uh, you know, uh, taking on that on that role of that of that character, that comedian. And he's brilliant at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sometimes I just think that he doesn't get his fair due. I would love to see him have a lot more recognition in terms of what, what he does. And, yeah. you know, and it would have been wonderful for him to get uh, an Oscar nom for, for it, you know, and he, and he's doing something different, you know, and he's, he's, he, I don't know. He, it's just a shame that, it, that it, it has, it worked out the way that it has. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully maybe in, in the future they, he, you know, it's not over. I, th- it's I think over. it's a it's slow, I think it's a slow road, you know, we're, they're slowly waking up to, yeah the direction that we're already going. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think it's just going to take Everything takes time. Yeah, yeah. I think everything takes time. You know, uh, it's, it's just very interesting, you know, how all of that works because we have no control over it. You know, yeah. we as the actors or whatever, all we can do is try to put our best work forward and do the best that we can. And at the end of the day, the people that really see it and judge it are the people who watch it, who appreciate it, you know, yeah. and those people who have hired you and will say, you know, we love what you've done. You'll work with us again. You know what I mean? So all of yeah. that, what matters. And, you know, it's hard not to think that sometimes all the work that we do, that the recognition of getting, you know, a Globe or an Emmy or an Oscar nomination for what we do 
it's just part and parcel of, of, yeah. of the industry. And it's yeah. kind of like what you talked, you posted about today with Morgan Freeman, right? I mean, look how long it took him to yes. get his first role, which I didn't Big realize role. it had taken him that long. And yeah, to get his first oh, big yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, though, like some of my favorite stuff, when I went back and looked at his IMDb, I'm like, wow, that was actually like some of his first major big parts with yeah. with Glory and Driving Maisie and mm-hmm. and Robin Hood, you know, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. And he was he was already in his late 30s, early 40s. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, because he was, you know, I remember him. I'm showing my age now a bit, but I remember him when he was on the electric company. I don't know if you remember this children's show back in the day. It was in the 70s. Electric Company. <laughs> I, re- I remember a little bit of it, but my parents put me onto Sesame Street instead. Yeah. There was Zoom at the time. There was a show called Zoom, and then there was uh, Electric Company. Uh, and, of course, obviously Sesame Street. But, yeah, Morgan Freeman was on the Electric Company. Uh, and that's, mm-hmm. that's my first recollection of him. And to just uh-huh. think of him from that time to where he – and he's become an icon, you know, yeah. <clears throat> the, the voice, the look, everything about him. And, and you have this this unwavering respect for him and his craft, you which know, is which is why there is nobody else better to play God than Bruce and Bruce Almighty. than <laughs> Morgan Freeman. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he talks just feel I have to listen. If I don't, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I better. Yep. <laughs> so speaking of something like that, when you look at, let's touch just real quick on your games before we get to a ton of listener questions for you. Um, so you were in Guild Wars 2 as Blish and uh, the Grand Vizier uh, Udamishi, and you were also Udamishi in the expansion. Mm-hmm. Pillars of Eternity 2. You yeah. were in Fallout 76. Yeah. And then, of course... That stranding, <laughs> which yeah. So, how what made you transition into doing some of the voice work for gaming versus, you know, film and theater? Was it just that hey, it was a gig, and you know, you just started doing uh, the part? In terms of going from TV and film to voice work, for, from transitioning to voice work, from yeah, yeah, for gaming and gaming to uh, film. For, for me, it's always run hand side by side. It is always run side by side. So there's a lot of voice work that's not gaming that I do. So a lot of commercial work, a lot of corporate work. So I'm, my voice career has kind of run alongside my theater career. You know, oh, certainly awesome. in London, I did loads of voiceover work. Oh, okay. um, but so it really stuff, wasn't anything different for you? It, wa- it wasn't. No, it wasn't. The only thing that's been really different is working on Death Stranding because it was the first mocap I'd ever done. Yeah. And that... I actually for Q and A, let's we might as well just kick it off right there because yeah, that's a that great was, segue. That was my question too. Because so I, I, my I'm fascinated my question it. was going to be for you is how did theater help you prepare for mocap? Yeah, uh, it was the best thing for me having the theater background mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. working with that it was. Uh, it was all about movement. It was your facial expressions. It's your delivery, you know, and it has a way that lends itself working on the sound stage, you know, has a way that to lend itself to be theatrical in a way, even though you're in, you know, and, and it's, it's hard because you're also wearing 
a mocap suit. Yep. You know, and you've got yeah, the, the well, these, you, these are yeah. things that work against you. The <laughs> most flattering thing to wear ever. Oh, all the little dots. So therefore, you have to find a way to dig a lot deeper in order to make the 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 realization come across because what you don't have uh as far as theater is concerned in mo on a mocap sound say you, you don't have a set you don't have props you don't have any of the things that you normally would in a in a theatrical production or indeed on a film and television set everything if you have a gun it may be you know something that is shaped like a gun yeah that <laughs> yeah shaped like a gun with a couple of dots and you know things on it so that it gets picked up um you know so everything any kind is, of structure is, is very skeletal right it really is yep. it yeah. really is you know so it's scaffolding you know there might be a wooden box or, or something <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean to to represent the chair or so you, you know, really have to go back to, to kind of like your childhood really using your full imagination, imagination and kind your of, imagination kind of embracing all of that right better. Yeah. yeah. When you, you did the mocap. No, go ahead. You really have to go back into into that place where your imagination means everything to you in mocap because there isn't anything. They can tell you, okay, you need to imagine that this is what's there and this is what it's probably going to look like. Or and you know, and this I need you to feel feeling a bit of a bit of isolation. So but how can I how do you feel that when you don't see, you know, uh the forest for the trees because yeah. it's not the Right. Yeah. I could only picture Kojima trying to say, hey, envision this. And you're like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, what were you going to ask? So when you were doing the mocap, like, was it already in an advanced stage? Like, did you have like two run throughs like Ruffalo had when he was doing Avengers, where he would do full body mocap and then close up with a rig on his head, like where to really get the facial expression or where now there's like the uh, excessive amount of dots all over the face in order to be able to do both at the same time. Yes. So, uh, I, I did both at the same time. Everything okay. was, oh, okay. you know, I, I had my, my helmet, my, my rig, my, my camera, you know, was yeah. there. Uh, the dots, everything was there um, pretty much. And even when I would go into studio to do some end game stuff, uh, they wouldn't still need, excuse me, facial uh, capture and stuff on things like that. So I'd just be in street street clothes, but I'd still have, you know, a help <laughs> camera. Nice. And stuff, but, you know, sorry, go on. Yeah. So to that point too, is like with, with doing the rig and everything like that, especially doing the going back in for, you know, some extra recording and stuff, a friend of ours, uh, named Sky Diddy, who is, goes back to, uh, is a big personality in the PlayStation side and everything. He wanted to know what made you go in that direction, like, and actually accept the job for Death Stranding, knowing that you were going to be doing mocap, which was completely different than what you'd done. I mean, aside from, you know, it's similar, but yeah. doing the rigging and stuff. Um, I think it, it wasn't like I had to make a decision to do it. As an actor, a job opportunity rolls along, <laughs> and you, as the actor, go, "Ooh, this is a job opportunity. Let's, <laughs> see, let's see what the job is." Um, but yeah, I think it was more that you know I got approached. They approached my agent about it, and I had to do what we call a self tape for it. So I was given, um, I think, a, two scenes to do. Uh, and I had to basically self-tape myself doing these these two scenes uh, and send it in. 
And because we're, as actors, we self-tape for things all the time. You know, we just, once you send it, you go, okay, that's done. I'm, if I hear, I hear. If I don't, I'm on to the next thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that's just how, how life works. Um, and I think it, it was quite a while before I heard, like, I'd almost say six weeks. Maybe oh, it wow. seems like quite a long time. I think I'd have to go yeah. in order to know that specifically, I'd have to go back and look through my email chain to see when things came through. But it was a very long time oh, wow. uh, to the point where I kind of had dismissed it. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. it had, had gone. Um, so when, of course, you know, so there wasn't a decision because it was specifically mocap that I decided to do it. It was also that I decided it, and it wasn't until I think the the offer came through that sort of elaborated a little bit more about what the project. Oh, uh, okay. okay. So it wasn't as cut and dry when the, when the audition came in, it was like, here's the role. Uh, right. and it, it didn't have the name. Of course. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it just said commander. Uh, and that was all. Oh, it said. They, but that, but that's pretty, commander, that's it. Wow. Yeah. But that's, that's pretty common in most like yeah. movie yeah, auditions. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. you don't really so they, know the project. You don't You're even just know. Going blind. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't even, I mean, I've gone into auditions where, you know, the, the, the star of the show, uh, they might be doing something and they send you the script and you think, Oh, I know so-and-so leads this show. And, but that character has a different name. They don't, they won't necessarily tell you because right. they don't want storylines to get out. They don't mm-hmm. want things to, right. to leak. So they're always, you know, you never quite know what, what you're going to see when you turn up on the day for work. Which was funny is there wasn't, speaking of not getting out, I mean, there wasn't a ton that leaked out with Death Stranding, which was impressive. Oh, no, it was very tight-lipped. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, coming from us who, who've gone to, we, we go to E3, which is a video game convention. Right, and yeah. From the years of first seeing the trailer and seeing the next year, the second trailer. Um, yeah. It, it, everyone is just like, dude, I, I don't, what is nope. this game about? Everyone that? was just like, dude, I'm so interested, but yeah. I, I know nothing about it. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I can't wait. Like people were like, I can't wait to see just what it's about. And yeah, it, yeah. yeah it was just sold so well. And like mm-hmm. the trailers were cut. So classic Kojima to where yeah. I think everyone's interests were peaked yeah. to, to that degree of like, like when whenever you see a Metal Gear or like a past game of his, yeah, uh, it had the same hype. Everyone was just so yeah. excited and yeah. curious. I, 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 and I personally, I had no idea. For for I'll be clear. So I'm not a gamer. Okay. I love <laughs> yeah. I love voicing games. I love you know because it's just part of what we do as as actors. And I love telling stories. I love that. Um, I'm not a a, a, a huge gamer. Um, but I obviously started playing Death Stranding um, and everything. But it's just one of those things that I'm, I wasn't, I knew of the Metal Gear uh, franchise, but I did not know Hideo mm-hmm. by, by name and his connection with that until I started on the, the show, which I was in, uh, on, on the show, on the game. Uh, <laughs> I was kind of grateful for in a lot of ways because, I just started working and not realizing the mo- the magnitude of this yeah. man, <laughs> which was which was great. Which me. to so, follow that up, you talk about the magnitude, right? And that that's a great segue into another question. By there was actually two people that kind of asked the same question. One was um, Colin Coughlin, who's a follower of ours over on Facebook, and then a Twitter listener by uh, 
or uh, repatriate Sam, they wanted to know is what was it like to work with Kojima, especially with how he a legendary he is and you didn't and now to follow that up is that you didn't know how legendary it was. So how was it working with him? Um, it was incredible because, you know, I I just took the job as as the job. I just go in and that's it's my job to do whatever's asked of me. Mm-hmm. You know? Um and so I knew he didn't speak a great deal of English and that there would be a translator uh, and things like that. And that worked very well because it literally was, he'd be, the funny thing is, you know, he'd be talking and I'd be looking at him as the director and as our leader, mm-hmm. but I'd be hearing the translation. I didn't want to look <laughs> at the trans, I didn't want to look at the translator, but uh, in, in their eyes and, and as if I'm speaking to them, I had to, I felt the need to look at Hideo because you can still get a sense of energy and understanding yeah. by watching and, mm-hmm. and feeling people's energy. So I would just listen to the translator who was brilliant because they're mm-hmm. just so quick and they make it very easy and very clear to understand. And so it was like I was talking to him, but I was hearing the voice come from another direction. Oh, that's and, good. You know, that's good. Be, there wasn't like was, any. Yeah. Yeah. And from my understanding, too, is I think it's the same translator he's had for years, too. So they're like synchronous yeah yeah literally it it was it was incredible um but working with him was amazing um you know and you're trying to and like i said it's probably a wonderful thing that i didn't know how big the guy was because (laughs) i felt like i could just go in and just be calm and relaxed and just take everything he had to say on board and focus on what i do rather than like oh my god it's 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 Kojima, and I, what am I going <laughs> to you know? Uh, I, Which, actually, I actually had a question uh, for you. What what would you classify his kind of technique? Was he is he a very did he come um, ready to go, knowing what he wanted? Was he or was he very visual? I think or a bit of everything. I think he is a, a visionary. I think he is he knows what he wants. Okay. How how they get it to you is is within the translation, and it it comes across in a way that it's easy to understand, you know. Um, and he's very hands on, you know. He will watch, you know. They videotape everything in the sense that they how how it works and stuff. Uh, and I don't want to talk too much about that because that's his process and yeah. and everything. But in terms of me working with him, I it was the easiest uh, experience. Okay. In terms of what I had to, you know, the magnitude of stuff that I had to do um, within the game, uh, it was very easy to work with. Very easy to work with. Very Uh, very passionate, you know, and very, you know, he does the thumbs up when he's (laughs) there. When you get that, you know you're good. You know you're good. And to follow that up with um, a listener over on Twitter World, uh, Nocturnal Misfit, she wanted to know, would you be willing to work on future Kojima projects if they invited you back? 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Oh, yeah. Now, is that the actor's side that says, I just need the gig, or is that that actual because no, the that, experience was so good? Coming from, no, that is the, the actor side who needs to want the gig is completely set aside in terms of that. I would, I'd say because of who he is and what he does. Yeah. And for me, I, I love how polarized <laughs> reviews were for, for the game because here's a guy who had a story to tell um, and as complex as it was, 
to be able to tell this story and know exactly and how clear it was in his head for us to be able to take that on board and to be able to translate mm-hmm. that and tell the story that he wanted was an amazing challenge. And to stick with because, it, too. And to stick, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah. You had to be committed to it, 100%. Yeah. We had to believe in the story and what we had to deliver, you know? Um, and we were confused in, at, at times through, throughout. But it's because, you know, we got, we got things in, in sections. We didn't get a full script of, of everything that says, this is, the, this is the story from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. When we were working on stuff, we would get backstory on certain things to give us our motivation, to give us our, our path to go down in terms of okay. what he wanted. So he already knew what it was. He just needed to tell us what he needed at that moment. And you guys just didn't have much of an understanding at the at the beginning what oh, you were getting into. So that so that's kind of interesting. So right. when you're so when you're going in on set, um, you're kind of giving the background and the setting of what the scene's going to be, so you can find your the tone that you're going to convey. Oh, yeah, it, but yeah, you didn't so it necessarily have like a full script, right? But right. okay, right. so we only only work on what is what we're working on at that yeah. moment. So you, you know, did like, scene by scene, but that's still very interesting yeah. to where, like, okay, this is this is the tone of the scene. That's that's usually not very common, I right? Think. Right. Okay. So we would, you know, I would have an understanding about if I was confused about something, then I'd be told, well, this is what happens prior to that, and this is what you need to think about, right. you know, in terms of moving forward through this scene. Do you know that's what I mean? Always, yeah, that's always good ammo in your arsenal to get the depth of your character or the scene or the absolutely. surroundings. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's super no, cool. I think, think those things are important to know because when you stand on the soundstage with nothing around you, you know, sometimes yeah. even though you're only concerned about the dialogue, knowing that you're either standing on a, standing on a beach or you're standing on top of a cliff you need to know that because it will impact the way you deliver a line. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could, you know what fact, I mean? Like oh, how, how you're think, breathing in between. How you breathe, how you're, ju- how you're gestured, how you're standing. Yeah. Right. If yeah. I'm in a snowstorm, I might have a slight chill in my voice or something where my breathing becomes a little more shallow when I'm right. delivering a line. You know, but I would know that if I'm actually filming out in the cold, because that's what we're <laughs> right. <happening>. Right. <laughs> that's a lot. That, so that seems like it would be a lot of fun on, on, on set like that. I, 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 I love that. We had a blast. Yeah. We had a blast. And that understanding and, and talking about what you guys knew going into it, that was actually a question that uh, <laughs> listener Adam Lane on Facebook had to ask, you know, want to ask about that is how much you understood. So that was a great, just boom, segue right into take care of that answer. So Perfect. now once it was all said and done, um, this was a question from uh, uncle underscore uh, blazer over on Twitter was once it was completed, um, how was it to finally understand what it all was and to make sense of everything? You mean once the the game came out or once the whole project, the project was done? once your whole project was done, you guys were told, hey, this is kind of what it is, this is where we're going. When you this were told the full ended. story. Yeah. Um I think what in terms I mean, I I look at certain aspects of it now when I'm when I've been playing the game and I and I have revelations because I was like, oh, I didn't realize that connected with, with that because it wasn't something that I necessarily needed to know mm-hmm. for my journey. Um, so 
for me, I still think I'm, I, I'm still finding out certain things. Mm, uh, okay. All I know is that my process was given to me in the way in which it was. I just, I try to, to deliver as much in the, in the line that he wants, uh, and everything. And that seemed to have worked. Um, but it was now that it, it, it's out. I don't think that we, you know, I, I have a much bigger understanding of it now. Right. Now that it, it has been finished, mm-hmm. it, you know, sit down and have a big discussion that it was done mm-hmm. and say, yeah. So because is 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 that a common thing with like the voice acting is like usually you'll end up like rapping for yours and you don't necessarily get much more information of the full project until like you know pretty much out yeah unless you ask about certain things you know I think because everyone you know it's not like it's a full company rap on everything happens changes so you know everything that I may do I might get done you know my mocap might take me two weeks or, you know, and then I'm, I'm out and I might not come back for six weeks. Right. You know what I mean? But it's not, it's an every day, all day until it's done. It's a process that takes time, you know, because one, you're dealing with people's schedules, who's available for certain days or whatever, or, you know, and Norman's always working, you know, so he would, you know, might not be available. He, they may have to go to him or uh-huh. something, you know? So it was a puzzle that was constantly mm-hmm. being put, put together. And you speak, so speaking of Normus, uh, Norman, uh, read us on there. Austin Archer from Facebook was asking what it was like to work with Norman Reedus and, and how is he as a person? He is, he's the nicest guy and he's just, he's just cool. He's just cool. It's, it's just like you, when, when you look at him, you kind of yes. go, "That's how he. That's just how he is in person." He yeah, has resting you know. cool face. That's what he has. Yeah. He's just resting okay. cool face all, right. the time, <laughs> all the time. And you so, know, and he's so down to earth. There's no mm-hmm. there's no pretense with him. You know, we from from day one when we met and shook hands, we were you know we had a great time, and there was a mutual respect. Uh, between us because we're, we're in it together. You know, there's no reason to be otherwise, you know? Um, and it was wonderful working with him, you know, and when I see him at events and stuff, we always greet each other and have a hug. And, you know, we talk about certain moments that happened and, you know, and I have a lot to thank him for, uh, in one of my, one of my scenes, you know, uh, because he was there, uh, and he was present the whole time. And by that, I mean, he was, you know, he didn't have a lot to say. It was down to me. And mm-hmm. I'm talking about the scene, right. uh, you know, um, but it was, I couldn't have hoped for better that, you know, someone is there having to endure what's being put before them, you know, and he was there a hundred percent. And, awesome. you know, when you look at that too, is I want to, I want to piggyback on that a little bit. And how is it to work with, you know, a legendary voice actor in Troy Baker, mm-hmm. as well as working with, Matt, uh, Matt Mickelson. Mickelson, who everybody loves. <clears throat> You've got, you know, Lindsay Wagner, yeah. who's been a, a legend herself in, in acting uh, and stuff. Guillermo. Guillermo. And Guillermo del Toro. And Guillermo yeah. del Toro. Yeah. I mean, you know. So the thing about that is that we don't get to work with every. I, I see them and I may have our paths might cross, but we don't get to work because I have no scenes with some of them. So I don't always, I don't get to see them, um, unless we're in passing at an event or something like that. And then, you know, we'll have a chat and things or whatever. Uh, but it doesn't always work out that way. It's like, you know, when you're doing film, 
Mm-hmm. You know, right. you don't, you're not in a scene with everybody. So yeah. you may or never animation. get a chance to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? Um, so those things you, you end up seeing the, the final result and see how it all fits together. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're not always in the same room at the same time. But fortunately for me, everything that I had to do, I had my guys there, you know, right. it nice. was like, I had to, you know, someone else had to step in or someone was reading or like they were, we were all physically there together working the scenes out, you know, do you Uh, you end up in enjoying it more when you have that kind of like, um, bits and pieces when you're doing either film or voice acting or the video games versus having that like full on camaraderie with the crew and the actors on theater where you're going there from start to finish. You also get are fully involved with seeing the after product because you are part of the after product. Right. Um, so for, for me, the, I, I love the process of, of theater in a way because normally you get, you know, for a big show that you're working on your rehearsal period is usually, you know, anywhere between four to six weeks. Right. Before opening night, yeah. Yeah, four to six weeks to give you, you know, you rehearse the scenes, you break them down, you learn the songs, if it's a musical, whatever, you learn the choreography, all of that stuff within that time frame. So you see this story build along the way. Do you know what I mean? And that's still Um, pretty aggressive, too. Yeah. Yeah, and so you're... It still feels like it's a tight timeline, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you're taking on all this information, but you know your arc, you know your journey. You know, and so the, the flip side of that is, is having to break things down in, in smaller, uh, the, you know, uh, compartments when it comes to the mocaps or or TV and film when you're just getting working on scenes at a time that you're trying to, to film. I find that that's it can be a little easier, but at the same time, a little more daunting because you're having to learn lines quickly. In TV okay. and film, because mm-hmm. you might get the script the night before, and there have been changes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so you yeah. have to go on. Okay. Set, you know, and basically, we'll do it until you get it right. Uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> until we can get it. You yep. know, but you don't, you, don't have <laughs> you don't have the luxury of always getting a, a, a full on rehearsal or the director having to talk you through what your emotion or your, you know, your motivation is for this particular <laughs> thing. You don't, you don't get it. You just show up do your lines and they'll block, block out the scene and where you go and what happens and all that. And then you just do it, you know, and unless there's a a huge train wreck, you know, we'll do it a few times. And, you know, if you're happy and we're all happy, we'll move on to the next one. So you take those few sheets of paper and you can ball them up and throw them in the garbage can. (laughs) And then, so, so with that time, you know, with you talking about, you know, you didn't always work with everybody and stuff. Um, uh, person over on Twitter at Deathstroke340 wanted to know, what was one of your favorite moments when working with the cast and crew? And I loved how they included the crew with that, too, because, you know, you may have had a favorite moment with just the crew and not the actors. What was your favorite moment? Um, I I enjoyed everything, is, is always been my answer when people say, what was your favorite moment? Um, it, I think it was... I don't know if I can call it a favorite moment, but it's certainly the most memorable moment for me. Uh, and that was my monologue. Uh, Which so I, I haven't gotten there quite yet. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. I will. So I don't, I don't want to, you know, uh, 
everyone probably knows the, what we're talking yes. about, but uh-huh. um, I don't, without kind of spoiling anything, I think that was a memorable moment because of what, what transpired during the process of doing that, nice. you know, and then having the crew around us during that and how, yeah. the, and how it affected them. Oh, that's awesome. That you know, awesome. and that was the big thing because I've never done that before. I've never had to endure that kind of emotion and then see how it actually affects my entire crew as right. well. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so. Was that really fulfilling to be able to see that instant reaction since you're in an environment where you're not, since you're like, you're doing um, your motion cap and you've got like green screen all over your, all over the place, but you still had instant feedback from who was watching you on, on the crew. I think, but that, but that, but it wasn't like it was a, it wasn't like it was a theater performance reaction Okay. At the end where, you know, there was an applause or anything. I mean, there, there was, but I think the point was, was that everyone was so, so emotionally taken on this journey with me that at the end it was, it was a very somber atmosphere yeah. okay. at the end of it. That's um, awesome. So it wasn't jubilant, but it was, we can only applaud you because we, out of respect, we need to applaud you. But yeah. at the same time, <laughs> everyone was feeling the same sort of, thing you know it, it was probably one of the hardest things i've ever had to do so we've got three questions left <laughs> um so first one um comes from a listener over on facebook ethan Lindquist, and he wanted to know especially because you mentioned you know how polarizing the reviews were right earlier right. and he wanted to know is how did you feel when the game released to such bad reviews in a lot of cases and then how did you feel once it was determined that all those reviews were actually just a bunch of trolls that were trying to bring down Kojima and those reviews were actually deleted to get the real reviews? Yeah. Um, you know, at the beginning I was, you know, I knew how, how, how people were so excited about the release of it. Uh, when the date was given that it was coming out on November 8th, it was like this, the world had just exploded, you know, because they finally had a date, yes. you know, and, you know, and then when that happened, I was one of course, those. Was, yeah, I'm sure. And you, look, I was even one of those, you know, because no one, we didn't even know when it was going to happen. And when oh, it finally came out, you know, that, that lead up and it actually gave a, an actual date and at the end of one of the trailers and everything, that was very exciting. But the, the review situation, um, you know, I, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it because it, because it was two complete opposite ends of the, the spectrum. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was either raving or it was scathing. Uh, you know that, what I mean? Yeah. And that, that's and what confused me as well. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was the oddest thing. But then I also didn't realize how many people weren't necessarily a fan of, of his for whatever reason. And you look, everybody has been entitled to their own mm-hmm. opinion. Um, you know, and even on Twitter, you know, I, I, I can see how, you know, I experienced people's reactions towards him and it just seems mm-hmm. to the point where it's almost personal, but yeah, well, you know, there, some people, yeah, even ask well, me, how, can you, how can you have an opinion like that without mm-hmm. having even played the game? Do you know what well, I mean? That's, or, that's kind of the thing with his kind of, uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I would say legend, uh, for Kojima is because, um, it's kind of like losing a, a, a star player from a coveted team. Um, mm-hmm. When Kojima left to go on his own, people were upset that he's not going to 
have the backing of a big studio, but you know, he went out on his own and people were concerned he's not going to have the caliber projects. And this was the first one. So everyone was so skeptical, mm-hmm. but I was just as con- confused to where it was either scathing or incredibly like, like perfect reviews. Can't wait for this to come out. And it yeah. was kind of, it was, I was kind of like thinking it was very weird. It, this was the first time I like I've experienced where like all press is, I guess, good press because it still did good things for the game. It was still oh, out there. Yeah, yeah. No matter what you were hearing about the game. Yeah. So I, I kind of yeah. felt like it's, it's still good for it. Bad or good. Oh, but, absolutely. I, yeah. I don't think it's hurt the game by any means. I just think if anything, uh, I think people have probably become even more intrigued by it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm one of those people that has to say, you know, don't take someone else's, you know, opinion or their experience yep. at face value. You are given life. You can eat, you can breathe. You have your own mind to make your own decision. Why not take mm-hmm. that and decide for yourself whether right. it don't, you know, don't be a follower, be a leader. Do you know what I yeah. mean? It's one of those things. And that's the funny thing. Sometimes you and I talked about this last week and our <laughs> listeners know too, is like, I have never been a Kojima fan as far as Metal Gear goes, but I have absolutely respected the man for what he's done, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, when the game came out, I was like, I'm getting this game. I'm like, like, I know I don't like his games, but I want this game, (laughs) you know, and 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 I was the total opposite. I was like, I was a fan of Kojima's for years, played all of the Metal Gears, could not wait, couldn't couldn't care less about the reviews. No matter yeah. what, I was buying the game because I wanted to yeah. try. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I knew I was going to buy it, and I was like, "Well, I'm just going to go with the base edition. I just want to see how it is because I don't want to, you know." I'm, I knew I didn't want to <laughs> get the giant BB to put on a desk oh, or anything, <laughs> but I was like, "So I played it for a little bit." And I'm like, "I played it for like a half an hour. I was like, I was hooked. I was like, I I get yeah. what he's wanting to do with this game with all of his interviews yeah. talking about." the yeah. social interactions and everything. So I went out and I yeah. traded in the base edition, got the one with steel book and everything on it. And yeah. it is now yeah. with all my, my steel books. And now nice. granted I'm still in chapter two, but that's because I've been doing so many side things. Really well. yeah. Like really I was playing it, the game. <laughs> you know, I was playing it the other night and I'm like, okay, cool. I finally went out and got the, the printer so I can start making my own boots and everything. But the whole time I'm like looking around at the scenery, like realizing that whole, you know, the amount of pebbles and tiny rocks he put in the rivers yeah. and just everything. And I get lost, you know, I'm yeah. like, Oh, I've already been playing an hour. Yeah. You know? I think your diagnosis <laughs> is video game ADD right there. <laughs> it's definitely, you should, I mean, I have to say when I, when I saw it and started playing, it was, I, from the moment it popped up on the screen, I was, absolutely blown away mm-hmm. by the visuals of it and and it's what a you're beautiful able game. to do yeah. i think it's absolutely stunning and i think the message within the game is really so current and it's what people really need without even knowing that's yeah. what they need yeah you know? and it, as cliche as it may sound trying to connect a broken world you know what i mean trying but it's to just, so true oh it's so true. Yeah. We are. So true. 
as a world, everybody is so focused on, you know, being in your phone, you know, I mean, heck, my daughter was here, you know, for Christmas and she was in her phone half the time. It's like, you're right. You're connected, but you're not, you know, you're, you're not. Yeah. And, and you know, the game does something in a way where, you know, uh, other players, you, yeah. you are affected by some of the things that they do and have done within the game, whether they leave, you know, things for you that might help oh, you. Trust and me, I, I, I used to rope the other it. night. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, finding all these things where people have left and little signposts to, to give you a warning or to guide you or just to give you the thumbs up. I just, yeah. I think it's amazing. Yeah. You know, and so now I know when I see people who go, you know, I get, I get messages constantly 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 through instagram and and through twitter you know and saying you know they played over 200 hours you know and and i go how, how do you put that much time in but like i said they spend the time exploring this incredible world because yep. i said the other day i said i wonder if i just keep walking how far will it will, I, will it let me walk yeah. Or even if I'm not going in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. I want to go and explore. How many mountains will it actually let me climb over? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and the answer is I have absolutely no idea. No idea. I don't know where where it ends, but there's so much, you know, with the rivers and the mountains and the and the craters and the you know, everything. I mean everything. It's amazing. Yes. It's like you and I talk about Tom, is like there was somebody that actually built a snowboard course up in one of the mountains. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. You can jump and you get on a, a piece of metal, you go down the mountain, you're jumping on, you're doing grinds and everything down these, you know, jumps <laughs> and whatnot. And it's like, that's people funny, are, I haven't seen that. I don't know what mountain it's in, but I've seen the video and everything out on YouTube yeah. about, you know, that yeah. they built it and whatnot. Yeah. And yeah. I'm assuming that's it's crazy. by a ski resort because it looks like there might be like, the the gondolas and stuff there but that just shows you the power of the game that yeah people are just building stuff and trying to give something to people to enjoy right and not just do the game and to that point you know um a twitter listener um karbadzinski you know part of his one of his questions was, you know, about the job and the audition, which you already answer, you know, how, you know, they reach out to you and stuff. But his other question was with Death Stranding joining narrative games like The Last of Us, God of War, and especially now with what Kojima wanted to do with the game and his vision. What do you think this means for the industry? Um, I, I, th- I think what he's done in a, in a way that has created a new genre of game in a way that is uh it it's actually opening up i think people's minds to explore things and and see things differently because it because it's not a shoot 'em up kind of game no it's just not. not it's not like that and so i think a lot of that you know people are 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 very into that kind of game and if you expect that that's not what you're going to get from this. it makes it no less enjoyable by any means um but I think for the industry, I just think it, it hopefully opens up a way that, you know, other people can realize, well, there are other ways, there are other things to create. You know, mm-hmm. it, I, I think it really does open up for a lot of production companies to, to think about expanding games in a way that we've never seen before, you know. Especially um, on the social conscious level, you know, yeah. and, and the narrative. And yeah. I think you look at Death Stranding and much like Detroit uh, become human when the, the way it talked about and, and mirrored 
you know, kind of we're moving towards, you know, artificial intelligence as a, as a world and technology and stuff. Yeah. And in there, it was kind of talking about civil rights, you know, and it kind of started talking about how the civil rights were back, you know, for the U.S. and, the, and you know, and you look at how, you know, with the Jews and stuff in World War Two with being ostracized and hunted down and stuff. And I, I think it's really nice and refreshing to see studios, game directors like Adeo that are looking at social concepts and actually speaking to them through these amazingly beautiful games, Yeah, you know, that you get lost in and yeah. you kind of really think it's like, wow, I like with Detroit, I was like, I could go that way, but you know, this one seems like the better, more conscious route that, you know, mm. And even in in Destroy, I'm like looking at, it, I'm like, well, I could kind of pick my ladder back up and kind of break it back down if I need, you know, for resources right. or, yeah, you know what, let's just go ahead and leave it, you know, because yeah. somebody else may need it, you know, and that was it. the that was the first conscious point in the game where I felt like this is more, this is so yeah. much more because there's a point there's points in the game when I'm playing, it's like maybe I should leave a generator here. Like this right. is a pretty long, like you, it kind of like, but then think about like that, like, Oh my God, that's kind of part of the game. Yeah. You're not just thinking about yourself. Like this could help someone if yeah. I leave it at this spot, possibly. Yeah. So, yeah. And so you get, you get yeah. Getting in that mindset. That's what's so great about it. that game. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's definitely, you know, like I said, because I'm not a gamer, I just, I'm just blown away by the whole concept. And you know, and and the and the story. You know, I think everyone's character within it is has something to tell. You find out, and it's it's tragic. You know, it's all of these things. There are moments of joy, but you know, the story is so emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, always that, a lot of depth. I mean, and yeah. it's yeah, and it's not a spoiler, but you look at like you know Sam Porter Bridges' story just in the beginning, you know, in that first chapter where, you know, where they introduce you to Lindsay Wagner's character and they introduce yeah. you and and that yeah. whole scene where he's kind of just talking about how he's he's disconnected, yeah, after yeah. losing you know people in his life and he's just yeah. like I'm done, I'm, I'm I don't care, yeah, you know, and I think that's where a lot of the world is, and but somehow he just all of a sudden he just kind of gets sucked down into this thing and yeah. realizes let's start <laughs> reconnecting and, yep, exactly <laughs> so the last question for q a um actually comes from theo oh so it's a little side note for like at least a little bit away because like i'm definitely a big fan of the film industry and everything and acting and everything so my question is if for some reason you in your life were away from acting, what would you see yourself doing instead? Oh, if I wasn't acting at all, what I what I would be doing? Yeah, pro- professionally, like e- even if it like say you never got an interest in acting, what would your other interests have been? Uh, fashion. Really? <laughs> Very cool. Uh, only, 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 because, only because not necessarily as a as a designer in some form or another. I love clothes. Um, you know, and I, I love suits. I love all those things. Um, and I, I can appreciate good clothes, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's odd because I never necessarily thought, but I, as I gotten older, I, I have a, you know, uh, a, a great, um, admiration for a lot of designers, 
and, okay. and what they come up with. Because I, I think it's artistic. I think some of the things that, you know, I see that people wear, even if it's down to, to just gaming, um, gaming attire or streetwear, uh, you know, or there's the classic, the classic gentleman attire, you know? So it, it's so broad, but it, it's, right. never, it's a form of fashion in every aspect. Oh, you know? I, I always think it's the ultimate form of expression. It's mm-hmm. great. It, yeah. It is. Do you even have it as wardrobe in in theater and everything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so that's probably something that I would have headed towards, I suppose, okay. in a way, you know. Um, Very cool. But yeah, but I'm a, peop- I'm a people person, too, as well. So anything that lets me kind of connect with people. Interactive. You know, I, right. Yeah. It's yeah. very, very interactive. You know, retail would have been another thing. Is another thing, and I because I've I've done it all as well. You know, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> be a good that. <laughs> retail can be a grind, though. Oh, it can be an absolute grind. Uh, yeah. I feel like I pay my dues daily. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> based on retail. <laughs> I walk into right. a store and I I li- I look at the the um, the associates in the store the and I just. I understand them. I understand <laughs> what it is, you know, to feel like you have to cater. You've got to deal with personality. Mm-hmm. You have to deal with oh, yeah. so personality. Oh, yeah. oh trust you know, me. I, the, you know. Down to the entitled, down yep. to just the the blatant, you know, idiot. You know, <laughs> you have to deal with all of it. And somehow, yet, it is your fault. Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. You know, what's funny is because I worked for Blockbuster for ten and a half years. So right. like I was there for late fees, you know, and it's like they come into you like they you tell them they have a late fee and it's like, well, no, you need to take that off. I'm like, dude, you return the movie late. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole point of <laughs> yeah. it, you know? Yeah, it's a, absolutely. And everybody <laughs> so, wants something, you know, whether it's a discount or a refund or, you know, no one is ever really, truly happy in retail customer or associate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not in retail anymore. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I worked for a little mom and pop shop uh DVD and video game store. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if you've ever seen the movie High Fidelity uh with John Cusack and Love that movie. Where he owns a record store. Well, yeah. I was Jack I'm Jack Black in that situation. I was always arguing with the like, why do you want to buy that movie? Take get this movie. This is way better. It has this actor. <laughs> Or like this game, you don't want this. You game. would be Jack Black, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, would. so I mean, my retail experience has been a little different. I it was a little bit more uh, uh, less corporate. So, but, so I had fun, I had fun with mine. And I was always the John Cusack role for mine. So I would have been the one going, dude, what the heck? You don't talk. Yeah, I, I was I was like, dude, you don't talk to customers. Like, but he was saying something stupid. He wanted this movie. Like, so, yeah, I, I had a different experience with the retail. That's customer service. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so tell me, how – so we talked about, you know, what we've been kind of playing lately and whatnot. And I want to kick it off with you is how far have you been able to get into death training? I think at chapter seven is just oh, – Nice. Perfect. All right. Yeah. So I don't – uh, and I think there's 13 or 14 
I think there's. So, I don't know. I'm still on two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least you know you still got a while to look more at pebbles. Yeah. More <laughs> mountain. Maybe the random frog. I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing. Is it's like. I mean, you should know me from the photographer side, you know, from being behind a camera. I look at things like that. I, I notice certain things that not everybody would notice anyways. So, yeah, I'm a, one thing I have said is I'm always looking in the distance to see, oh, I wonder what's over there, you know, and, and sometimes you're on a, like a timed mission that you have to do. Oh, yeah. And within I'm a certain amount of time, you don't have the, the time <laughs> to really explore. You know, I, I've, I've, I've asked myself that question, too, where I was like, I wonder if I can make that mountain because then, like, I cut my trail in half. I wonder yeah, if I can. Okay. Do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jerry, <laughs> no offense. You are always yeah. look a kitty. You're like, oh, something shiny. That is what you are with your games. So, yeah, this guy, some guy tweeted to today or yesterday saying that um, he was so excited. He's completed the game six times. Wow. Oh, my six. God. Six. That's impressive. Nice. Yeah. So he's gone platinum. Uh, mm-hmm. What I would Obviously. hope so after, after that. <laughs> oh, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's six times. And he said, and the story just, he finds, he, find, he feels something different every time he, he does it. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, but I just, it, it's so stressful. Yeah. 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 That's the thing stressful. with the BTs and everything. It's just like, yeah, I, like, I love it. I love it. And I'm yeah. like, I want to carry another box, but get I, I mean, I'm like, and then you're like I'm so loaded down. down, you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> trying along. And then a BT shows up, and you're like, oh, that's yeah, what kills. That stuck. always, I'm sure that's what kills everyone. Is like, oh god, like I can't pass up that package, but I can't carry it. Oh, I gotta walk away. I gotta walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Becomes an addiction, isn't it? Yeah. And you see all the scattered ones that someone has left behind. You think, right. oh, should I pick that up and take it? You know what I mean? You exactly. want to do a little, and then you speed. go like, and then you go a hundred feet, and you're like, "Well, I really need to get that package." So his <laughs> their package is going to go. So Jerry, did you get any gaming in this week, or did you just go do Disneyland all the time? No, Man, I, I got I, I got some uh, I got some gaming in. I would yeah. say Disneyland is a higher priority than King. But yeah, I I just purchased the pass for the first time, so I've been I've really been enjoying. Uh, Disneyland for the last couple of days, so it's it's. Oh, are you are, are you in LA? No, I'm in I'm in he's Long in, Beach. He's in Long Beach. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you got you you got the pass. Have, so have you been to Star Wars Land and everything then? Oh, oh yes. The first how many, first t- day. How many times are you up to? Like six. Uh, no, I've gone, I've gone four times, so I've visited four. I've visited Star, <laughs> Star Wars four times. You've been four times already. Already, Where yeah. Where you think to go? Yeah. Oh, it's uh, amazing. The the first the first day I went to Galaxy's Edge, I'm not gonna lie. The the moment I saw the Millennium Falcon, I teared up. Did you? Oh That's yeah. Amazing. It was just like. I don't think you're the only person who's teared up when they've seen it. I I, I don't think so either. But but it's like, Star Wars for me is just like the. the my childhood, everything, and yeah, they Disney really knows how to immerse you in, yeah. you know, in that park, and it's just like you yeah. feel it, like man, they, like, re- they really do. Yeah. There's no other place like it. There really isn't. Uh, Ride of the Resistance, Rise of the Resistance. Have you? Was that I, I haven't been able to. Places? It's it's open. It's open now. Um, yeah. but so many people are are camping out till like two in the morning. <laughs> Camping out—that's hysterical. To, to at six in the morning, the when the app goes on, uh, that's when you can get in the queue for groups to to ride the ride. Oh, 
But oh, okay. So usually, 6 every, yeah, six a.m. So the moment, I, like, the reason I'm asking because I need to pass this on. We have family coming from Australia, and uh, they're going to Disneyland in April to take my nephew. Oh, yeah. it's all about Star Wars. So but I'm, unfortunately, I might get, not be here. I'll be in both bit, area. Get there a little bit before uh, opening, because j- you have to download the app and then get into a queue to get into groups. And once you get into groups, it tells you the time to time frame to be at the ride. And then you can right. go in. That's how they're kind of doing it right now. Okay. So is all that, all that information on the app? It is, yes. Okay. And and at the park and like even on the website, they're they're okay. It's everywhere. I'll pass that info on because yeah. I think that might be very useful. <laughs> so but, Tommy, uh, you just mentioned you're uh, you're going to Bulgaria. Yes. What oh, are you going for, oh. to Bulgaria yeah. for? Um, well, I'm going at the moment. I'm going heading back for it's the second season of Pandora. Nice. Oh, very cool. cool. Yes. Awesome. So that got picked up. So we'll just, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I should know more in the coming weeks. I didn't realize that was over in Bulgaria. Yeah, we, we shoot in, in Sofia, in Bulgaria. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so it's very interesting being there. Nice. Oh, very, cool. very nice. Um, yeah. Theo, did you get any gaming in, or did you f- spend more time with your bow finally? Uh, I spent time with the bow. I'm, I'm still working on even everything out. Uh, I got some <laughs> Destiny in. Uh, I... Since I'm looking to sell some of my magic cards, I got back into Magic uh, Arena. I was doing that a little bit. Nerd, nerd, nerd that I am. Uh, look who's talking because you got me into it in the first place, so don't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All your fault. But, uh, yeah. What have you been playing? What now? What have you been, been playing? playing? So I did get some more Death Stranding in. Um, okay. just, just doing runs. I finally completed my two <laughs> quests to get the the Cairo crystals and the Cairo printer, where you got to go steal it from the mules. Um, but oh, yeah. it was more just running around, doing some errands, you know, <clears throat> getting everything up. Because I'm kind of at that point where I want to, you know, I want to get through the game. But I, now that I can make my own boots, I'm going to go back and get everything, to, the two first outposts, get those to five stars. So I can kind of get everything up and running, connected, and just keep moving forward um, versus, you know, have to go back all the way across the U.S. to get everything up to five stars. Oh. Um, played a bit more Shovel Knight. Oh, very cool. You're which, really loving Shovel Knight. Yeah, I love Shovel game. Knight. Dude, the best version's on the Vita. I, I still love it on the Vita, <laughs> you know? Um, and then, um, of course, the Maze Combat, which Jerry said would take up more of my time, which yes, it has. No and way. then, of course, <laughs> and of course, MLB the show, you know. <laughs> but no, it's uh, it was nice. It's honestly, Death Stranding is probably this is the first time I've actually been able to really fire it up on the 4K. Oh, very cool. Because uh, I was on the the older uh, monitor that I had that was not 4K. Um, and boy, it's is very, it different! I, I bet. Yeah. We have it on, on our 4K uh, TV, and it's, it's mm-hmm. incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. So two questions for you, Tommy, as we close things yeah. out. The yeah. first one is, you know, for those listeners out there that, you know, don't necessarily follow you on, on, on Twitter or mm-hmm. social media and stuff, is where can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TJ84. That's T-E-E-J-A-Y-E-84. On Twitter, um, on Instagram, it's Tommy Earl Jenkins official, but there's an underscore between each 
name, Tommy underscore Earl underscore Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and then Facebook page as well. It's Tommy Earl Jenkins. So you can like that and pop on board. I, I tend to post across all the platforms. Uh, pretty much if it's on Twitter or Instagram, I will try and put the same thing on Facebook. So no one, cause not everybody's on every mm-hmm. platform. Everything. Yeah. So I did something once, you know, people got upset <laughs> once when I, I think I did a live chat on Instagram and someone said, oh, I'm not on Instagram or I did it on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not on Twitter. You know, so you go, it's a free app. Get it. Yeah. Yes, it's free. Get it. And just follow me. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And the last question, and this is why yes. I didn't tell you what it was, is we have one question that we ask of all of our guests, and we've always okay. done it since the beginning of the podcast, is what is your favorite game to play for game night when you have friends and family over? So we're not talking necessarily, it could be a board game, card game, yeah. video game, charades, what whatever. Family game, game, whatever. What's your family game? What's your favorite game to play with? What's your favorite game to play for game night? Uh, it would be charades. Ooh, nice. Awesome. However, yeah. that being said, judging by how much you love theater and everything, that's sure you yeah. must be the master. Yeah. That's a given. <laughs> like everybody's got it for yeah. you as the yeah. partner. Yeah. <laughs> it was that or either it was a uh, Pictionary. Ooh. Ooh. Pictionary. Yeah. 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 Oh, very, very, very nice. Have you yeah. ever done I, illustrations? I just like get ramped up. Say that again. Have you ever done telestrations? No. So, have you ever played telephone? Uh, I don't. The think telephone so. game. So, Sorry. so, so, the telephone game is that uh, one person starts with a phrase, and everybody has headphones on, and you can't hear anything, and they're supposed to read your lips, and they keep okay. going down the line as far as oh, people can see how close that. you are. So, telestrations yeah. is the same thing, but with drawing. <laughs> so you get a phrase. The per- and you draw it, and then the next person has to figure out what the phrase is based off of your drawing, tells the next person, and they have to draw it, and you keep going down the line, and you just get these weird, weird uh, pictures coming up. Illustration? They keep adding yeah. to it? Oh, no, they, they do their own uh, illustration because <laughs> they, they, they think it's a different interpretation. Oh, yeah. I got it. Wow. That's interesting. You should look into that. I think you'd have a good yeah. time with that one. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So, with that being said, uh, Tommy, once again, I want to thank you for yes, coming so on thank you so and much. hanging out with us and, and talking with us. Cool. Thank you so and much. I also want to thank everybody else, our listeners, for crashing game night with us tonight. You know, as always, you know, if you like what you heard, definitely subscribe to the podcast on the platform you're listening to us on. Leave those comments. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, the website crashinggamenight.com. I want to say, everyone, be excellent to each other and stay frosty. Later, nerds. Thank you all for this uh, amazing day. It was quite the treat, and I enjoyed it very much. Thank you, guys. Tommy? Hey, I just want to say, (laughs) yeah, hey, listen, I just want to take this time to say thanks because I've enjoyed the chat. I've loved the camaraderie. I've I've enjoyed the whole aspect of it. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to look out for you guys, and I'm going to – uh, if you can send me your all your handles and stuff, I want to keep in touch with you guys. And, sure. You know, yeah, yeah. Follow yeah. me on social media and stuff as well. Awesome. Oh, Thank you. Absolutely. And I can send those over to you, Tommy, okay. on the on the back end yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and thanks to all the listeners for for yeah. joining in. And I hope you uh, hope you learned something new and different that you didn't know. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know what? 
honestly, you are you are more than welcome to come back on anytime you want, even if it's Absolutely. just you shoot me a yeah. message out of the blue and say, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" And yeah, yeah, on, you know? yeah, I got we do. <laughs> we do. You know what? We do talk about movies and we do talk about games. You know, it's not always just gaming. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're a bunch of movie nerds and everything. Which Theo, send us off. Thanks guys for joining us. Tata for now. TTFN. Not everybody.